Hey everyone, welcome back to The Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Helen Denham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. So first of all, I hope you all are in a safe place. I hope you're doing as well as you possibly can be doing right now, taking care of yourself. Um, This is a completely unprecedented time. It's a crazy time, and nobody really knows, like, quite how to act because we've just never been through something like this before. It's wild. Um, But, you know, as everybody's saying, this is a great time to dig into our spiritual tool belt, quote unquote, and review what we've been studying for so long from meditation to journaling to, you know, dancing and singing and just releasing that pent up energy in whatever way is going to serve us the best. I've been taking a lot of long walks outside and just leaving my phone behind and really taking time to breathe the fresh air and, you know, embracing the solitude that's coming along with this. I'm also at home with my family, so it's a really great opportunity to reconnect with them. And, you know, I can't really think of another time in my adult life where I'm going to have this much time with them. So, you know, there's a lot of beauty to be gained from this um, without playing down the suffering and the trauma that people are experiencing. You know, it's kind of the yin and yang of everything. But yeah, okay. So that being said, I'm so excited to share today's episode with you all. I got to chat with one of my best friends, G. She goes by G Major. She is a rapper and creative based in Brooklyn, New York. And she's just been up to some amazing stuff the past couple of years from releasing EPs, music videos, putting on some amazing live shows. She's been doing a lot of traveling. Um, But furthermore, I really wanted to talk to her because she's one of the most compassionate people I've ever met. And she's just so smart about how she thinks about life and her creative process. So as a friend, like I felt like I already knew her pretty well. But having this podcast gives me an opportunity to get to know my buddies better and really ask questions that are a little bit deeper. So enjoy this episode, and I'll talk to you all on the flip side. Okay, so the first question I want to ask you is, how do you start your day off? Are there any morning rituals that you have? Walk us through your morning routine if you have one. In general, I'm a morning person. I meditate every morning. Like, I was even thinking about it. I was like, like I barely even party anymore because like I love my cup of coffee so much. So I'm like, if I could be in a good mood for my cup of coffee, then I'm going to kill the day. Absolutely. But but every morning I do meditate for 20 minutes. Nice. Do you use an app or something? What do you, what's your meditation look like? Um, I have an app, but it's not like, I don't do like guided meditations. It's just an app that has different bells. Literally. I just like have a bell. I click it and then it goes off again after 20 minutes and I'm good. And tell us how you got into meditation in the first place. What spurred that? I think when you're going through things, you have to try everything. You know, I think that as someone that struggles with anxiety and I've probably struggled with it for longer than I've ever known, like, you know, people have told me to meditate before and things like that, but I am, I'm a stubborn person and I'm stubborn in the way that like, I need to like intuitively and internally feel something in my gut to begin doing it. And, um, I listen to a Russell Brand podcast and it was um, based on transcendental meditation which is why I think I started doing the 20 minutes in the morning and the 20 minutes at night 
Um, but I don't um, say a mantra or anything like that. Like I just, I'm more of like a simple person. I'm like, okay, so the point of this is to breathe. Mm. So, so um, I just really, I needed to calm down my thoughts. I've had racing, racing thoughts for the past few years. So yeah, that's basically it. And, you know, I just believed in the fact that, okay, if I could sit with myself for 20 minutes and breathe and, you know, all the thoughts that I always had were running through my head. Um, but kind of just, I don't know, like everyone says, I'm going to be a, you know, a repetitive, you know, person right now, you know, you let the thoughts pass and things like that. But it's pretty plain and simple. Like, first of all, I wake up in the morning and I'm going back to your original question. I wake up in the morning and I try not to look at social media because, um, I read something one time and I think we all know this, that social media either tells you about something in the future or something that happened in the past. So you're just like thinking of either if it's the past, if you're thinking of something you missed out on, it's the future, you're thinking about something you have to catch up on. So it's like the opposite of present. I don't even care if you're watching someone on Instagram live, like you're not there. So it's someone else's present moment, you know? Yeah. So I uh, try not to look at social media before I meditate because, you know, you don't want to make things even more difficult for yourself. Definitely. And yeah, that's basically it. I meditate for 20 minutes. Then after I'm done meditating, I try not to look at my phone for at least 10 minutes. I love that, G. And I love that you simplified it down to like, it doesn't have to be this crazy thing where we have a mantra and we have our crystals and we have all these yeah. things and we have our, our mat. And it's like, just yeah. sit and breathe with yourself for as long as you can go. And 20 minutes is excellent. Even five minutes, like as we work our way up, that's amazing. Totally. I started, I started with 10. I was just like, all right, like see what you can do with yourself. And that's just what my past year and a half has been just about me and myself. And the longer I could sit with myself, the happier I am. Love that G. And I also want to dive into your rap career and like your journey as a rapper and kind of connecting those two. Like, do you think you've become a better writer? Do you see your creativity becoming clearer after meditating and, and being more mindful? A portion of everything I do is to be a better artist, whether I say it or not. And that's probably one of the biggest insecurities I'm fighting. But if anyone knows anything about art, the real creation comes when you're present, you know? And I was living with anxiety for so long. It was like I was fighting for a present moment every time I tried to create, you know, I would, every time I tried to write, like, you know, the, you know, when they talk about rappers, they talk about flow. Mm-hmm. What is flow? Flow isn't just your wordplay and how you're flowing. It's literally synchronicity with the universe, like how you are flowing in that moment. And if I'm not in sync, like I cannot sync up to a beat. I can't sync up to anything in my life. Mm-hmm. So right I'll tell you one thing, my anxiety was definitely stopping me from creating or at the very least stopping me from enjoying the experience of creating. I haven't really enjoyed writing in so long because of the anxiety that was built up over failing if Mm. I attempted and it didn't come out. And so um, right now I'm in a place where I would say over the past couple months, I'm actually much calmer. And if I don't like what I wrote, I let it go and let it roll off my shoulders a bit more. I'm doing everything just to be more in sync with everything in my life. So it's funny, if I go back to when I started rapping, which was years and years, but when I started recording and releasing, 
I was like, you know, 18, 19. And like, I didn't have as many worries in my life or I did, but they were so deep down. They weren't, you know, like exerted in the same way. Mm -hmm. And I, for years, like the past three years, because I've been going through it, dude. Like I've been going through it. I'm like, how? I remember I wrote a 12 song album with Fat Matt when we were like 19 years old. Mm -hmm. That shit we wrote over two months. And in my head, I'm like, what is it because I'm 30? I don't write quick anymore. Like I realized it was just my anxiety and I started therapy and um, I started just really just focusing in on myself. And I, I do feel, I feel like I have seen some changes in my recent writing where I'll let things go or I'll let things just be what they are. I through my anxiety became a perfectionist to a point of my own, you know, my own demise. So I, I feel like I'm on the path right now to where my meditation is definitely going to be a catalyst to a more enjoyable music experience. That's so good. That reminds me of something a friend once said to me when I was actually starting this podcast, she was like, don't worry about having the perfect equipment. Don't worry about like, you know, everything being perfect, because it's never going to be and it will hold you back from even starting to do something. Yep. And I love your point about that, because even if you don't like what you're necessarily writing that day, you're still writing and you're still flexing that creative muscle. And, and, and what is what what is actual practice like meditating is practice for rapping? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like everything is interconnected, like going on a run is me practicing rapping, like like reading a book is it's all just mental gymnastics and Forming good habits. I mean, anything I do to take care of myself is going to help towards my artistry. And, that, and that's a fact. I'm, I, you know, I have a blessing and a curse that I was born with. And my blessing is that I care so much about everything. And my curse is that I care so much about everything. So it's finding that balance, you know? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And I also want to jump into like what you're doing now, because we are recording this in the middle of our quarantine time. But what are you taking away from this experience so far? Like, what are you learning about yourself? Oh, man. I really just, again, it came back to my insecurity around music, even in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Even in a fucking pandemic, I was worrying about where am I going to record? Like, I actually drove. I, I was visiting my family in Massachusetts when this really started stirring up and I was on my last day in Massachusetts, I was ready to come back to New York and then it like shit hit the fan. And I drove back to New York. Keep in mind right now I'm in Massachusetts. Okay. I drove back to New York and I, because I was so caught up on music, I couldn't let it go. I'm like, there's, I knew there was a pandemic, but I was like, all right, I'll just be locked in my room. You know, I'll be locked in my room and I'm driving back to New York and I called my, one of my most cherished friends, cherished friends and biggest mentors, my boy Rel from Red Autumn, Big Up Leaf Gang. <laughs> and I was like, I call Rel to check in on him. I'm like, bro, I'm driving back to New York. Like, you know, this, this shit's going to be wild. And he was like, gee, what? And he was like, where were you? I was like, I was, I'm in, I was in Massachusetts. He's like, how far are you into your trip? I'm like an hour and a half, two hours away from New York City. He was like, turn around. I was like, what do you mean turn around? He's like, turn around. Like, New York City's going to be chaos. But I was leaving a safe place with my family. 
me, which is more important than anything in my life, in fear of that I wouldn't be able to do music. Mm -hmm. And it's so sick and twisted because, you know, Ralph said to me, he's like, it's not about music right now, G. It's not about music. I'm like, but I just recorded like my favorite track of my life and it's not done. We have one more session. He's like, go home. And I still, I just still, I made it to New York. And I, un- I grabbed my mic. I grabbed all my recording equipment. And I was like, all right, I guess I'm going to figure out how to m- record at my dad's house. Like, it should not matter where I am. And that's the biggest thing is trying to find an external cure for an internal issue. Oh, my God. I love what you just said. Yeah, external yeah. cure for an internal issue. I'm, like, thinking that it matters if I'm in my bedroom. Meanwhile, I could be in my bedroom in New York. They could start food rationing, and I'm going to be worried about how to get my dog dog food. And then am I going to be able to record? My normalcy is music. Like, that's, like, my one focus where, like, if my life turns to shit, like, at least I have that. We're still adjusting to what the new normal is. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just best to take care of ourselves right now. Absolutely. It's crazy. It's such a wake-up call because... I mean, a lot of us are home with our families because we were like, this is the safest place to be. Let's wait out the storm mm-hmm. here. And it turns our whole life upside down because we're both independent people that are just on the go. We're doing all these things. The city offers opportunities everywhere. And to be home like really does bring us inside and really get reflective yeah. about this stuff and yeah. question everything and also like return to kind of a place of gratitude. And it can also be used as a time to make a plan. So yeah, right. for sure. It makes us sit down and be like, who am I without these labels or these personas or these masks that I wear in the city? Like, I feel like the city really has defined me for the past nine years. And now I'm like, okay, who am I now that I'm not in the city? Like, what? <laughs> it's it's that, very no, tricky. You just totally <clears throat> said it. Like, you know, the city is, I always say New York City is on its own time. Like, if you could see, like, a... Uh, a system of gears turning. There's like 1 million gears of all sizes and they're all interconnected running through each other. And like, if you, you're constantly playing catch up because if you rest in New York city, you at least fail. You're behind. And like, what is really the difference between perception and reality anymore? You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it's everything. So I guess I am just kind of sitting with myself right now and using this as a means to reflect on like, what can you do when you're totally out of your element? Like I'm around my father. Like that is not a creative inspiration. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, he's inspiration in other ways, but you know, it's a super weird transition. Oh, absolutely. And our family, like I have such a good relationship with my family, but they're, they can be triggering in different ways. Like they, they might not just understand like how we've developed in the city away from our home and they might just not really get it. I said to my dad the other day, I'm like, you know, you're a hustler and he is like, he's from the streets. He's a hardworking guy, but I'm like, I don't think you can make it 12 years in New York. Like, you wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah, it's a different, a whole different lifestyle. I love that we all push each other there. But the cool thing, yeah. too, is like we were pushing each other there and now we're pushing each other, like using media and like these ways of connecting to keep each other accountable and like make sure that we're all okay. And I feel yeah. like there are so many beautiful things coming out of this that are like undeniable, like even though we're not together, the community that's been coming together, I mean, you've been getting everybody to work out with you and drink their water and they're like 
so many lives going on, the group meditations going on. I'm seeing all these images of the water clearing up in Italy and just like the oh earth God, coming yeah. back. It's, it's awesome. I'm super proud, I will say, of the music community in New York because I think from what I saw, the music community in New York City took a stand before the mayor did, before the governor did. All my homies, every event curator, radio host, everything, shutting down their events, mm-hmm. shutting down everything. And, you know, before they were telling us, I really am just proud of how people did hold each other accountable and cancel their shows immediately. Like, it was a ripple effect. That's a positive thing. That there were people who took the initiative immediately and were like, from what I'm reading, we cannot dance tonight. I was really proud of everyone for just being like, no, we know we know what the hell is going on. Yeah, like, and it's not easy. It's not like we're we're independent artists, most of us out here, and it's like to cancel a show for artists is like a big deal. And I think it's really brave and responsible that people did that. And we're just gonna get through it. It's very humbling. It's very humbling experience to have to kind of rely on each other. It's like an existential crisis that everyone is having. And I feel like when we come back out of this, we're gonna have a new sense of community and like tribe again. Like we are, we all think, especially in cities, that like it's just us. We're an individual. I don't need anybody to help me. This is it. But people are going to need help and like we're going to need to be there for each other. And I think it's going to be a huge wake up call in like actually a good way. I think it's a beautiful thing. I would I want, you know, right now we're able to be optimistic. I know my friends will get through it and I know they're going to be strong. But, you know, it's going to be a different city after this. I know we're going into a intense, really tough time there. But, okay, so now that we're, like, home, I think this is a good time to bring up this question, too. I want to know about how you were raised, like, how your family raised you, and, like, what kind of beliefs you had growing up, and how that reflects who you are now. I would say that I was brought up with a lot of strong, like, morals and ethics. Uh, My family was kind of, like, outcasts in my town, so... I'm from a small town outside of Boston called Swampscott. It's a beach town. Mm-hmm. Um, but my family, my, my mother and my father's side are both from Boston. And um, how could I explain this? <laughs> uh, we, we're from different lifestyles is how I'll put it. We're from a town with a lot of doctors and lawyers, and we're not doctors and lawyers. I got brought up with a lot of street smarts. So my family's uh, primarily Italian. And then I was raised with uh, my grandmother, who's Syrian. So my family brought me up with a lot of warmth and a lot of love. So I guess I was just brought up with a balance of like hardcore love and hardcore street smarts. It's funny, like my upbringing was hilarious. Uh, There was no sheltering from anything in my house. Like like cursing, swearing, like yelling, screaming. I could watch any movie I wanted when I was a kid. I'd watch it with my parents. Like there was no boundaries, which probably is the thing that I have let go later in life where I have created boundaries around myself now. But growing up, I, and something I really cherish is the fact that we have no boundaries. Like it, we're all, if we can all just be around each other and we're like, oh, that's Santino, that's Isabella, that's Giovanna being Giovanna, that's Ilario, you know? I just, my family brought up, I think one thing that really stuck out to me is they always taught me to fight for the underdog. Mm. And I think that I was naturally an empathetic person, 
But even when we would drive through Boston, my mom would always stop her car, give a homeless guy five bucks. Sometimes she would give him a 20. She would always say, when I was a kid, she'd say, they need it more than us. You know, if you have it, stop. And um, always just kind of rooting for the underdog. And that's just kind of how I live my life. I don't, um, Amy Winehouse said it. She said, um, it's where you're at, not where you've been. I think I, I always see the potential in people because of that. I never see where they're at. I always see kind of like where, where they could be if, if given the resources, you know, and mm-hmm. given the opportunity. And I have to be grateful for that. I've had the opportunity. So I think I was always brought up to be grateful and, and to love really hard. Like we all, we all love really hard, but like we're crazy. There was a point, there was a point in my life where we had to stop buying portable phones at my house. Because when someone would get mad at each other, they would whip the phone across the room and break it against the wall. And my mother would be like, I can't even buy portable fucking phones anymore. She would be going nuts. And so we, my mom was like, I'm not buying them anymore. Oh, my God. I'm not getting a portable phone. God. That's yeah, so funny. Hilarious. You know, we had uh, anger in us um, that I've, you know, been growing past. I don't, I don't necessarily see it as a total bad thing the anger I, I mean made me kind of like a tiger and a warrior and a survivor I mean and it's I've learned to outgrow that type of reaction you know I respond more than react now mm-hmm. I love I knowing this about you because yeah. for people that don't know you like you are genuinely one of the most compassionate people I have ever met you treat I, I everybody that. like family when you meet them like you just make people feel like all of your attention is on them and you truly care about what they have to say because you do, you really, you really care about people. And it's my favorite quality about you of a few of many. So it's really interesting to understand how you grew up and how you became who you are now and how you understood that like the fire and the anger you, you had could be channeled in another way. Do you think that's why you, right. So tell us about like how you got into music and why you even started rapping. Like, What's the why behind this? I think I've always been a communica- communicator in general. Mm-hmm. I've always talked a lot. I always used to get in trouble in school. I, I, um, teachers had a love-hate relationship with me because I think I was brought up. We weren't raised as children. We were raised as adults. So I would talk to my teacher. Like, they would always say, why don't you raise your hand? I'm like, I'm just talking to you. You know, it was just like the Italian in me. Just be like, we're talking, like, it's fine. We don't need to be so formal in here. But I was raised on music, definitely. My mother used to be a singer, um, not professionally, but she was on her way there. And she she just brought me up on um, Anita Baker, Tony Braxton, like, was always, uh, my my parents didn't get along that well um, at all. So what we would do is we would go on rides. We'd say, want to go for a ride? And uh, we'd go for a ride, and she would play me just – I remember we had Anita Baker and Tony Braxton on, like, tape deck, and we would run through it, and I just learned every word. And, like, I really had a really big passion for R&B. Mm. And when I was young, I remember I was on a ride with my mother one time, we're just getting out of the house. We would drive for like an hour, then go back home and be like, all right, we listen to enough music. We're good. I remember driving with my mother once, and I was literally, uh, Mariah Carey, Always Be My Baby came on. Mm-hmm. And I swear, I think I was eight years old, and it was raining out. 
And I remember I got embarrassed because I started crying while it was playing. And so I was like looking out the car window so my mom wouldn't see. I didn't mind crying, but the song was so beautiful. Mm. And I think that lyrics and communication just hits me in a different way. Like I try, I think like the best form of communication is like simple and creative at the same time. Some sort of cross pollination between the two Mm -hmm. because you have to be creative with your audience or whoever you're speaking to. What I mean by creative is you have to know your audience. Like what is the best way to communicate to this specific person, not every person, Mm -hmm. but this specific person, what you're trying to say in the most simple and, you know, easy form for them to truly understand and grasp. Mm -hmm. And then um, lyrics just really brought that out of me, specifically R&B lyrics, because um, they always in R&B, I find them to mix heartache with sarcasm and like really kind of like, I love when R&B artists use sarcasm and the things they say, like they have a really eloquent way of describing their feelings through sarcasm. But in 98, when I was nine years old, I got simultaneously, I got the miseducation of Lauren Hill, the Slim Shady LP and Brandy Never Say Never. And I put on the miseducation of Lauren Hill, play it from front to back and play pool by myself while simultaneously learning every single lyric Mm. I wasn't saying oh I want to learn every lyric I just I listened to the song so in-depthly it was so ingrained in my soul that it was easy for me to learn the lyrics and then I went to the Eminem album and I'm I mean Eminem was one of my favorite rappers and like just learning every lyric and the wordplay and the wordplay and then same thing with Brandy and I think I just got um I found myself just in the mirror, kind of, I, I have a hard time saying that word, mirror. mirror I like how you say it, mirror. Yeah. All my friends from back home make fun of me. It's like a mixture of like a Boston <laughs> accent that's fading. There's an issue with the R's. <laughs> I used to rap or sing these songs into a mirror, like kind of make, make my own music video. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't know, I just became obsessed with lyrics and writing and it was just, I really just love lyricism. Yeah. It's really important to me. I love knowing how you first got into that because I've been thinking about tapping back into the first time that I thought of music, like you're describing and, and dancing and like you almost get hypnotized by learning those lyrics and like you take on their persona almost. And, uh, and I know I thought I was Neo. Like I <laughs> thought I was Neo. I agree with you. It's important for me. It's very important right now just to listen to the artists that I'm fucking with and just like really be like, wow, like, you know, I, there's room for everyone. And, and I really just, I really just been enjoying going back there and just, I don't know. The one thing I'm happy about is I'm happy. I don't make R and B music mm-hmm. because I can always listen to R and B. That's my shit. What's one of the favorite pieces of yours that you've created? For this moment, I have a favorite song that's unreleased right now. Mm-hmm. Can you give uh, us a line from it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Putting um, you on the spot. Let's see. Um, so I'll give you the background on it. It's called Ghost. And um, it was about how, you know, I consider myself a hyper-aware person. And I can really see when people, I, or this is also the negative part of me where I'm paranoid and I think people are scheming. But I could really, I find myself to be able to be a good judge of character and see when people are scheming. 
And I noticed certain people, you know, kind of coming back around in my life when I started doing well, you know, in certain areas and traveling internationally and things like that. So the concept behind it is that I'm a ghost. Like I'm kind of a fly in the wall of your bedroom and you don't know I'm there and you're doing too much and I'm, I'm doing, I'm just chilling. And, um, I guess, so I'll just spit a little bit of it. That heat in my circuit, the circle is flames. That's why they came through trying to gas up our name. They were here in the past, but they passed on our name. Woke up, realized they passed on the bank. Damn. So I left them to rot, but they back now. Seen the shows get Hyde Club packed out. Now they try and play nice, though they back out. Damn. Can't bend and not break if you fragile. Hey, I love that, G. I can't wait for that to come out. And I also want to know, I haven't asked you much about your time in London. What was going on over there? You were there for a little while. It was an amazing trip. I based the trip around one thing. I had this whole plan to release uh, the ICEP, which had a track in December, January, and February. And the tra- one of the tracks was a collaboration with Johnny Clayface from London. And this whole trip was based around shooting this music video. I was like, if I can lock in this music video, I'll line everything else up around it. And it, and it worked. And I was in the worst place of my life. I didn't want to go. I mm-hmm. had to run and meditate every morning just to get myself even close to normalcy. So I was very proud of myself because I said to myself before the trip, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to smoke. I'm going to run. I'm going to meditate. And I'm going to do whatever I have to do to get the job done. I knew that we had two different sets on rinse. I know we were live on the radio. I knew that we were doing a global grime cipher. I knew we were doing all this shit. And I was like, damn, you just got to do whatever you can do to not fuck us up for the team. And you did it. You got it done. I did it. Yeah, I did. That's amazing, G. And I also want to talk about anxiety a little bit more because like so much of the world is experiencing anxiety, like almost all of all of my friends and including myself experience anxiety on some level. Like, what do you think that comes from for you? Like, where does that stem from? For me, um, you know, you can go into the nature versus nurture debate. Uh, If you're brought up around a lot of high strung Italians, um, I think that there's some, some part of it is definitely from that. Mm -hmm. Um, Two with me is codependency issues. Um, I think my issue was deciphering between control and influence where I was trying to control things around me instead of learning how to influence things around me. Uh, I think control comes from a place of anxiety and influence comes from a place of confidence and, and, you know, security in yourself that you can lead by example. I think control takes away a person's agency and, and where that they, if you're trying to control someone into doing something then a part of that means they're unable to do it without you. Mm-hmm. And influence is something that allows them to do it themselves. Um, wow. That, I've never heard it said like that. That's so on point. Yeah. So uh, I think my, a big part of my anxiety was control. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted, I had, I create something in my head and I know it's possible. I know anything I come up with is possible. And I wanted everyone else to see it that was around me or working with me or working in my collective and wanted them to see what I see. But then I realized if they don't fucking see it, who cares? Someone will, you can't control them into seeing it. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't control people. So I stopped controlling and I let them 
do whatever they wanted to do or do whatever they needed to do for themselves as they should. Mm -hmm. And my life lightened up and I just started influencing through myself, through working on myself and doing things myself. And then I guess finally, the last part of anxiety for everyone, I'll say at least in the United States, I think we could speak on that, is that we are so far removed from our souls and our spirits every day through the things we are seeing. I think, again, I think anxiety is a nervous system reaction to, in the brain, not being able to line up with it. Like, we're nervous because our brain is trying to understand something that our soul doesn't. Mm. And so, to me, the anxiety we're living in is we're just getting further removed from ourselves in the truest essence of what it is to be a human being amongst other species on this earth, which we all are one. We're all in this together, as you can see today exactly. <laughs> during this pandemic, yep. that, that no one is exempt. And I think everyone needs to remember that you're not exempt. And so I think the main issue of anxiety is that our generation with all of our intelligence, and you can call it what you want being woke, it's like you're woke and you're awakened to these things but you're living in a system that you don't know how to change. So it's like the smarter we get, the younger generations, and the, the, the more we see past the flaws in the traditions, the more we, we are, are conflicted inside with ourselves. So I think our generation, because of how much information we have and how I think a lot of us intuitively and collectively know right from wrong, but all of the wrong is in front of us, creates a general sense of anxiety for all of us. I can't wait for people to hear you say that because it's so true. It's like not connecting with our spirit and our soul like we, we need to be. We are forced to be doing that right now, for sure, in, yes. in a good way. Well, the, okay, the last thing I want to ask you is, is there a piece of wisdom that you kind of keep in your back pocket? Is there something that you go to when you're struggling? Yeah, I don't think I go to it enough, um, but... Definitely in the past year I have when I've totally kind of redirected on figuring my internal shit out. Um, I got this tatted on my arms uh, like three or four years ago. Uh, it says, uh, dig deeper, rise higher. Mm -hmm. And I think it's totally apparent with what I'm talking about right now. The deeper that you dig within yourself, um, the higher you will rise in terms of spiritually and you know emotionally mentally in more ways than one so it's all personal nothing's personal and it's all personal nothing anyone else is doing is personal but everything we're doing is personal and the deeper you dig within yourself the higher you'll rise beautiful I love that I love you so much G I'm so grateful that you are like you were down to talk about this and I really feel like you were meant to be in my life in so many ways and oh, it's just I awesome. Mean, that's mutual. That's mutual. You're one of the most important people in my life. Love that, too. Literally. We always find each other at the right time. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. You can follow G on Instagram at G Major Moves. And of course, she's on Spotify, iTunes under G Major. And we actually did a song together a little while ago called So Simple. So I'll link that in the description as well. And I'm on Instagram at Helen Denham underscore. And other little notes, I send out a self-care Sunday email every Sunday. So if you want to subscribe to that, you can head over to HelenDenham.com slash subscribe 
subscribe. And I'm always updating blog posts there as well if you want some reading material. And on Instagram Mondays, on Mondays, I do a little tarot card poll for us for the week, which has been really fun to do. So yeah, I'm excited to keep in touch with you all. And if you guys also just need someone to talk to right now, please feel free to DM me, email me, whatever it is. I'm here for you. And I'll talk to you again soon.